Well, hey there. My name's Luke, and you're listening to the Good Folks Doing Good Work podcast, a podcast where we get to interview folks inside and outside of coffee who are doing good work and bringing good things into this world. But really, this podcast is about you, and we hope it leaves you with a sense of resonance, a sense of knowing, a sense of center, a sense of reminding. Here's to the becoming along the way and the moments in between. Let's get into this week's podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, let me just sort of start by introducing good folks doing good work. So I'm Luke. I am the owner of The Levco. We do branding and content for folks who are values-based, um, particularly folks in uh, especially product goods. And good folks doing good work, for the folks of you who don't know, is all about highlighting the, the work that uh, the people that we work with and the good work that they do um, and getting to share about that. Um, and so that's the, the reason behind all this. And so I'm excited to have Armandy uh, join us today. Um, I have been lucky enough to receive some coaching from Armandy um, earlier this year, and it was truly uh, transformational and formative uh, for both personally and professionally. And so I uh, hope you all get some value from, uh, from the, the stuff that Armandy has to share with us. So Armandy, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Was that this was that this year? That was January of this year. Oh my god! <laughs> what a year! Oh. It has been. Seems like that was a long time ago, but yeah, it's been a long year. So, uh, by way of introduction, mm-hmm. I like to ask our guests from their own words uh, describe what you do uh, and and sort of uh, the the work you do. Besides besides just coaching, what is it that you do? Besides coaching, what do I do? So coaching's like the the role kind. I was thinking about this, this question of who are you and what do you do? It's been like bouncing around, noodling around in my brain. I think that I'm more of a healer than a coach. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a I'm a bit of a midwife too for mm-hmm. a person's becoming kind of. I'm I'm really interested and loving the process of helping people move into a place of like authentic power, authentic genius, owning who they are and really pushing into that place of their own freedom and their own joy and their own offerings to the world. So whatever it takes to get there, that's what I like to do. (laughs) Oftentimes there's healing involved. Oftentimes we're in our own way for some reason and we need to up, you just really update how we how we view ourselves and rewrite some of the historical things that have happened and yeah i think that's a that's the deep and brief if i call myself a healer it feels a little grandiose because i think people do their own healing um that's why i use that term midwife if i can help them through um those tight places into life that's <laughs> great your guide yeah absolutely yeah bit of a guide and I love the one-on-one space for that because of the depth that you can go. And I have a background in um, art therapy and pastoral counseling that informs that. I'm a bit of a poet and an artist. So there's a little bit of a mystic artist that comes to the party in that. But I also like to go into the team and organizational level and do the same thing for teams that I do for the individual. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the beginning. 
Uh, let's okay. go to the, the origin story of, of Armady Drew's uh, sort of spiritual healing, coaching, however you want to describe it. Let's go to the beginning. Where, where like, and, and, and not, not just to the beginning, but like maybe like a moment before that. Um, what was sort of the genesis of, of you uh, beginning this journey? Yeah, if I'm honest, the genesis is being raised in a really dysfunctional family where I kind of played the counselor role. So, I mean, I've had to do a lot of unlearning of how to be a guide because I was I was a counselor in all the wrong reasons as a probably four-year-old. So yeah. I, I think whatever that natural strength is that we have, if we're in a toxic environment, we can over-function in it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I over-functioned as a, little burden bearing codependent counselor in my, in my youth. So I went to school in psychology, right? Cause I needed the medicine yeah. myself that I wanted to give to the world. And then um, I became a Christian in college and was introduced to some really amazing deep inner healing tools through an organization called Elijah house. And it took me into the real deep end of spiritual abuse, the occult, like all kinds of really crazy, like how to get people out of a very trapped place internally and even externally. And then I um, started traveling and we traveled as a family all over the place. And so I picked up this intercultural piece where I, I was really able to expand my thinking about, oh, it's not just my my little individualistic privileged white girl perspective. There's a whole bunch of other perspectives that I need to learn. So that became really fascinating. And I think that's what informs the group work that I like to do because I realize we all come with such a different story from our own wounding and our own culture and our own genius. And to really get all those people in a room and to be able to hear them and know them and collaborate that is just, to me, that's so powerful. And I think the travel, the early years of, um, yeah, I don't know. I got a, I studied at Fuller and got a master's degree in leadership, global leadership instead of counseling, which was a big shift from the counseling world to actually, I want to be part of creating healthy leadership in the world. So that's really kind of the marriage of where the counseling moved into leadership development and coaching and consulting that it's almost like all that counseling just kind of informs the background of helping people move into really healthy places. Yeah. Now, I remember one of the things that you had mentioned to me uh, during our our summer time together was, um, yeah, we can talk about like the way you speak or the clothes that you wear, like the way that you're perceived visually. Um, but I think that that piece there where you're, you're because of your background, because of your early years, it taught you that it's not just about perception. There's more going on than just, uh, how you are perceived and just having the right motions, um, and having those tools. It's that. And then what else is behind that? And so I can totally see how each of those pieces and the travel all fit together. Yeah. We, we, we're carrying around a story inside of us that's vibrating out into the atmosphere. No matter what we kind of try to put on on the outside, the real story is going to show up. People feel it. 
Yeah. Like we have to go into the deep places, I think, to do our work. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so it sounds like it's, you've been on this journey for, uh, since you were a child. Um, so let's talk about why, um, obviously it sounds like you needed some of the, the tools yourself, uh, you know, going to school for psychology to, to heal yourself. Um, but, but now, uh, having gone through a lot of healing yourself, why do you do the work that you do? Why is it so important that you not just teach people the, 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 the ways of thinking, but rather the healing? Um, why is it that, that you do this work? Mm, such a good question. And I think it changes. I think right now today, if I answer it in this moment, I would say that I think that it's selfish. I think that I've figured out what lights me up. <laughs> I yeah. think seeing a person in front of me get an aha that takes them into a very real internal place where they can free themselves. I, I think, I think that, that I just love that. I just love that. Of course, I can say a lot of, a lot of other reasons that are logical. Like um, when I look at how many people have been, who have been hurt by a leader um, I run into that so much. So healthy leadership, whether it be a parent in a family or a CEO, or like I mostly work with nonprofits. So presidents of nonprofits, if I can help leaders be really healthy, I can help a whole organization be healthy and anybody affected by that organization can receive the ripple effect of that health. So that's that kind of answer, but really it's really because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's super fun. And yeah. um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So this wasn't, this wasn't a, I didn't, I didn't warn you about this question, but okay. you got me thinking, uh, especially in, in 2021, uh, almost 2022 now, um, I, I gotta see, I gotta say that a lot of the dysfunction in businesses particularly with leaders have been exposed because um, they're having some distance between, you know, I don't go into work every day and I am at home a little bit. So there's more time to process some of these moments um, or uh, another, another scenario I'm thinking of is, you know, if you just have a hard conversation with the boss and then um, you hang up the phone, you're not in your office. So you don't have to keep your face on still you are alone. Have you seen any of those conversations um, like shift as you've been coaching people in terms of how they're thinking about um, leading people or how they're thinking about folks who are leading themselves? Mm. Because of the remote work? Yeah. I don't know if it's a direct answer to your question, but what I've seen with the remote work is that people do have more room. They have room to do more reflection. They have room to feel more things. They're not always loving that, yeah. right? When we're in our own environment, we're, we're, our life is all run together, whether we have little kids around in the house and 
And I think people are more in touch with what's really going on in their world and in their heart and mind. So in a sense, that's, it's the possibility of creating a more human space when people can show up with their real, like when we're on this zoom call, anything can happen in the background of this and it's my home, it's my world. And Mm -hmm. I've been on a lot of zoom calls with people and I'm seeing their world I'm seeing their dog and their right things are happening. And um, I don't know. I think it's been more of an opportunity than a threat to help. But I think what you're getting at is it does expose things. Like people are grieving. People are, um, they're in touch with depression on a different level. It maybe already always was there, but they're not as distracted from it because they're themselves more. Sure. Yeah. I think it has a siloing effect for some organizations. I think we've had to work hard to build relational capital during this time. There's been different things that have come up for different teams depending. Yeah. Did I question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it just, it's just fascinating to me and I, and I, I see it myself and it's something that I, I think about a lot too, as I'm interacting with, you know, some of our team members um, and, and even clients too, of, of when there's maybe a, a tension in conversations, like not being in person. And obviously as soon as you leave the room, you can, you know, change your, your, mm-hmm. your, you don't have to keep the guard up, but uh, I, I, I'm assuming that it's sort of changing those moments in between and after of like, I just got to wait till this call gets over. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it's just interesting. It's something I, I'm conscious of, you know, it is trying to make an effort of, Hey, are we, are we on the same page here or are we missing each other? Are we, uh, I, I and being more attentive to those those moments where they're not necessarily saying something, but you can tell there might be something there. I don't know. It's just interesting and, and something that I'm trying to learn. It's a huge conversation. I think we have to be over communicators because we're missing the the atmosphere side of being in the same space, and that seventy percent of nonverbals aren't coming through. So we have to over communicate, I think, to make up for that. And if we don't do that, we're going to, we are going to miss each other. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, Yeah. as far as um, like a lot of the work you do is, is heavy. And there's obviously there's moments of sort of relief and, and, and transformation. Right. But, um, but aside from that, how do you stay inspired? Do you, what do you turn to, to uh, give you energy, to um, keep you focused on, you know, on the transformation and on, you know, what's just beyond? Mm. So I am, I'm a change addict. I love change. Like I have to like really work hard to stick with things because of that reason you're bringing up. I think I think I love to go chase after the next shiny thing that's going to teach me something powerful for myself and someone else. So my issue is not so much staying inspired, but staying consistent. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I, I think I am like right now I'm in three different courses. I'm all, I always have a couple things that I'm learning. Like I'm diving into Jim Wilder's neurotheology right now and attachment yeah. Which is super powerful information. I'm actually 
doing my next NLP certification focused on your relationship with food. Mm. So that's showing up. Mm. Um, and I'm doing this um, studying the whole idea of manifesting, this very woo-woo new age thing <laughs> next to this very Christian thing next to this. Yeah, I'm just kind of. Yeah. And those three things are going to dance together and I'm probably going to show up with something in 2022 with those things. So I stay inspired because I'm just, I'm all love learning. And I, I try not to have that sense of I'm always behind, but it is hard to feel like you're staying up on all the things that we could learn in the wellness area right now. It's so there is that drive to um, have latest and greatest information. Yeah. And I'm really interested in the food element that you brought up there. Any, any, any little nuggets that you yeah. come across okay. recently? Yeah. So, so NLP is about really creating new neural pathways in the brain, right? And yeah. really changing the way you think. And it's part of my coaching, but with food, it, it basically means we're not talking about a diet and we're not talking about exercise. We're actually talking about how we restrict pleasure from ourselves through robbing ourselves of having the food we want because we're fat or whatever. Like, it's like, how did we, how is that healthy? Yeah. And how is that leaking into other parts of our air of our lives where we feel some shame? So we deny ourselves something yeah. versus how do we, learn how to have desire and have have pleasure and not hate ourselves and feed ourselves well when we've decided we can't have anything yummy you know like it's it's sort of that sort of thinking so one of the things that's happening right now in this program is learning how to slow everything down so that you're very mindful going into eating And you eat very slowly and you taste everything very much. And what I've learned in that first step is just how food is a form of distraction. And I don't even taste it sometimes. Right. I'm not really eating what I really want. I'm eating what I think I should eat. And I'm not even mindful of it. And that's happening so fast that it's, it's like a, it's like a wasted, beautiful ritual. Eating has just become this careless thing. So in the last couple of weeks, I've just slowed everything down. I'm eating my food slower. I'm enjoying it. And um, I'm realizing how much I've denied myself pleasure through food. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to unravel a bunch of other things, but. It's so interesting. And I think that the, the piece that is clicking in my head is um, when I used to do coffee trainings with folks, well, we, I would walk them through how to like prep everything, how to get the water hot, how to, you know, set up your filters and stuff. And then we would brew the coffee and then I would sit it in front, that, in front of them. And then I would say, wait, and I would say, we have to slow down and we're going to smell it. We're going to put it down. We're going to smell it again. And then we're going to taste it. We're not going to say anything. And then we're going to taste it again. We're not going to say anything. We're going to taste it again. And then we're going to talk about it once we've done. And I think that there's that moment of like, are we being intentional about the things that we're interacting with and food being one of them? Like you said, that distraction. Um, oh. And I've been, I've been learning a little bit about intuitive eating and it sounds similar to yeah. what you're 
talking about. Um, and because, yeah, the, 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 especially in our culture, like we're rewarded for being, um, like denying ourselves something like it's like a, it's like a, a, a pat ourselves on the back. Cause we denied ourselves this thing that we really want. Um, very interesting. I'm really excited to see what, what you make of, uh, this next season with that. Yeah, I think it's not, I think it doesn't work to deny ourselves what I, what we want. I think we sneak it in some other way and we, and we yeah. overdo it. Yep. So the Body Keeps the Score is this great book about trauma, yep. but I think it goes further than trauma. I think the body keeps the score on everything. And if it's in deny, if it's feeling like it's being restricted or denied something, it will crave it. And then we have yeah. Anyway, it is fascinating. I will keep you posted on it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, so thinking of the last two years and, and a lot of the, a lot of the folks that are, are viewers of, of this, um, they're business owners. And so um, thinking of the last two years in the development, I always think of challenges that folks have. Um, and ooh, we have a company. Oh. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, um, it's important to to think through challenges over the last two years that we've had. Um, and so how have you, has there been any major challenges that you've faced in, in, in your business or any of your businesses that you've had to really make some significant shifts outside of the, the obvious, right? The, we went virtual instead of in person or, um, you know, doing more, phone calls versus, you know, uh, in person or what have you, um, has there been any major challenges that have really shifted the sort of trajectory of your business? I think the, it's, I don't know how interesting it is, but the honest answer is that I, I picked, I had to go pick up a skill set in online facilitation from being live with people. Like I like to be in a space. A lot of my teams I work with are, you know, 15 to 30 people in a room for a whole day and we're doing this dynamic work. Now I have three hours on Zoom with that same group. So yeah. that was probably my biggest challenge. And it ended up being a, a huge blessing because I found an organization called DSIL and I went and studied and was certified with them. And it was all these beautiful online um, experiences. I was with a group of about 25 people online. And I have to say, we were on three hour calls, maybe six total, and we are still really tight. Like it was magical, the things I learned about online facilitation and how you can bond and how you can tell your story and learn to be vulnerable. And, and so I was introduced from, from, um, that's Katie Grenier. I was introduced to liberating structures which are everybody should go look it up liberating structures.org or.com 33 beautiful facilitation tools that are not meant to be online but we've been learning how to bring them into online spaces so that's the big shift for me is um finding new tools to be online and trying to put trying to put the and so so hand in hand with that is coming back into the space yeah. so I had my first big day with a big team and we were face to face all day and I decided um we're not doing any screens we've, we've had enough screens in the last two years we don't need now that we're together let's be together so 
I put all the slide decks away, all that. And we were just with each other. We just did real simulations and activities. So I feel like almost both things happened. I've learned how to do online um, better. And now when I'm in the space, I feel like I'm more free to be um, experiential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, for someone who's who's a more like introverted and and more, I like to be alone. Uh, as I've been seeing more and more people in person, I've just noticed myself become like more tired from those conversations, and I never really realized that. Do you mm. feel the same way, or is that the sort of thing where you're like, man, no, I love this. It's energy. It's life, and being in person is is uh, not replaceable. I have had the weirdest personal experience in this time where I feel like maybe I'm an introvert. Really? Yeah. Like I, I have been by myself a lot. Like I'm in my little office. I'm on, you know, and most of what I do is in this little office and people don't come into this office very much anymore because we're on the zoom. Right. And I have been writing more poetry. I've, you know, gone back to a, a, a beating ritual. I like found things to, to feed my spirit that I never even knew I needed. And they're always, mm-hmm. they're like, I get, I get tired from being with people. Mm-hmm. I've, I've really relearned something about sacred space for myself during this time. Yeah. So again, I don't know if that's a direct answer to your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just my thought for me personally. Yeah. I'm more, content creation I created um with some help from my assistant for sure um we created 12 ebooks for the whole month or the for the whole year of 2021 and so that's content creation right right where if I'm out and about doing my extrovert thing always with people I wasn't doing the content creation that I've done in the last year Mm. so that's important yeah and then, I'm, as you know, our youth development program, we shifted that all up and we yeah. made it so it's easier for kids to get online in, mm-hmm. in Snappy app and change the branding of that. So that was a big shift, too, that we're still in process with. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about about the projects that you have. Um, okay. Because I don't want to I don't want to enter time before really getting both those things flushed out fully. So um, so let's talk about the youth program first. and okay. foremost. I know that just got released. What yeah. are the important things that folks need to know about that? So that's called Life Launch Masterclasses. And it's, it's, an, it's exciting to me because all the things that I'm doing with organizations in the leadership development category, we've brought it down to a teenage level, early college, high school, early college, where they're focusing on things like identity Things like what's a healthy relationship? How can you tell if it's not healthy? The um, the sense of belonging that goes with identity and the whole all the attachment stuff I'm learning, we're rolling into it. And then there's some giant worldwide tools that are in there called Five Voices and Five Gears. Like yeah. very much like here's how you act like a healthy human in your family, on your soccer team, in your classes, with your yeah. new friends. They're tools that are bringing the soft skills to organizations, but they're also life launch tools. They're how to launch your life. And so it's fun because there's a coaching element, a content element, and a community element. And those are the three things we think 
are like a magical recipe for growth. Yeah. Good content, but we need good coaching and we need a community space to to learn how to bond in a healthy way. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many of us are walking around with unhealthy fear-based attachments in our lives. Going back to consciousness and how are we interacting with people and what does that mean? And yeah. I, Am I choosing this to be in my life or is this just a distraction? Yeah. It's always been there. Yeah. 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 Um, so, gotta go back. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. We just have to come back into the heart space to reflect, I think, a lot. Yeah. So if you were sitting across the table having a coffee with Armandy from how long have you been doing coaching? Mm. Off and on, but pretty solid for the last eight years. You're sitting across the table eight years ago. Let's say let's say nine years ago. So as things are starting to line up for you to, to, to do this more full time. Um, what, what are the one or two things that you would tell Armandy, um, to, to, to do differently or to be sure that she does? Mm. It's funny. Nine years ago, I was living in Abu Dhabi, working with knowledge works and youth projects. It's, it's interesting that we're in a very different place with our youth project now, but I think, I think it would be two things. I think it would be like, don't walk away from your mandate kind of language. Like keep the, keep that inner fire alive and don't doubt that, that you're really called to something. Even if there's times where it doesn't make sense or it's hard, like stay with your truth, stay with that thing that really does make you feel wildly alive. Don't leave your mandate, like just stay with it. Um, cause I've left it a few times. Right. Um, the other one would be, there's this habit that my mentors have been helping me with. And it's, it's something I wish I, I could tell myself from back then. And it's that even though we've learned that we need to get a feedback loop and we need to critique ourselves, right. We need to get better every time. And there's something about that, that has really not been healthy for me. And I would say to myself, when you finish doing what you do, let go and let the people you served take the responsibility from there. Like there's this over-functioning that I can get into. I want to make sure that I do that right. And I'll just sometimes torture myself with critique when I'm Mm -hmm. finished. When really what I'm learning is it's up to like, like if I'm coaching you, Luke, and we hang up and we're done. I have to trust you to go do your work. It's that it's your job then. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when coaches think that they're doing the healing and they're doing the work, they can rob the person they're talking to from stepping into all their power. Yeah. We can over that, that over functioning thing again. So I would say, don't leave your mandate and don't beat yourself up at the end. Just let go. Yeah. Mm. That's so good. And I think that whether you're a coach or not, that's for sure something that, that we all need to hear is that like once you have done your part, it's yeah. it's out of your hands. It's out of my hands. And I've done my best. I spent it all on the field, so to speak. And then I've got to trust those people to go do their post-processing and do their work because most of the work happens when I'm not talking to someone. Yeah. 
they got to go away and just sort sort through it and face themselves and love themselves and carry that out. That sounds really tough. Um, so as we as we sort of wrap up here, uh, mm -hmm. tell me about any specific books, podcasts, videos uh, that have been a part of uh, you know your formation. Um, they don't have to be super deep. They could be just a book that means something mm. to you. But um, mm. anything stick out to you? Yeah. Um, got a couple right here. The life model, life model works. Anything mm. Jim Wilder. Um, the life model is something that I look at a lot. The um, I'm I'm working through a very challenging book right now called The Christian Imagination. Oh, yes. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, you know where that came from. Adrienne Marie Brown mm. is an author that has shaped my thinking a lot. Emergent Strategies, her book Emergent Strategies is phenomenal. Um, hold on, I'm going to grab a book really quick. I can see it. It is a book of poems called Soul Bird. Mm. Oh, mm. it has been a delight. Mm. Yeah. Actually, do you want me to read a poem in closing? That'd be amazing. Okay. So, uh, Deborah Ann Quibble, Soul Bird, Poems for Flying. This poem is called Scarlet Chested Sunbird. Magnificent being, come out from behind yourself. The old, tired stories that strangle and keep you small must be retold into mythic tales of stalks and scarlet-chested sunbirds. And as you emerge from beneath the parched holy ground, be warned, who you were before will not recognize the stranger you are becoming. You will no longer fly, yearn to fly, so close to the sun but will inhabit, perhaps, for the first time, your marvelous earthly body of belonging. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful place to land this. Um, and I think that you ending with a poem uh, about becoming, really, uh, and about, uh, you know, learning from, learning from the, holes in the road that we've fallen into and had to crawl out of um, are, it's, a, it's, a, it's very indicative of who you are and uh, the work that you do. So thank you for sharing that. Um, before we end, uh, how do folks get in touch with you? Mm, how do folks get in touch? Well, my, my website is armandydrew.com. Cool. And my Instagram is right here. And yeah. I think those are the two ways. I love it. I love it. So I'm not super watching, good at marketing myself. <laughs> 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 I don't really know. But yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Armandy, thank you so much. And, um, and best to you in this holiday season. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being here. Um, and uh, if, again, if anybody watching is interested in connecting with Armandy, do reach out, give her a follow. Um, her work is, uh, really, really uh, formative and has been beneficial to me and I know it'll be helpful to you. So awesome. be well. Thank you.
Well, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope it's leaving you with a sense of resonance, knowing, center, and reminding. But perhaps you have a question or an idea, or maybe you'd like to work together. If that's the case, you can find us at The Levco on all the socials. Or if you'd rather send us an email, you can send us an email at thelevco at gmail.com. Last but not least, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review or a rating, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. It'll help more folks find out about the good work good folks are doing. Be well.